Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. This book is a complete book. The book of Revelation is not just the last book. This book encompasses all the others. We'll look at that in just a few moments. This book has told us what the end is about, what's coming at the end of all things. This book has been the witness and testimony of the faithful and true witness. John has received it. I'd, I'd like to know. If I, I kind of hope there's a, a video, don't you? So you get back. How long did it take John to see this? Uh, was it was was this was this happening all? I mean. It takes a little while to read through the book. Was that all the time it took? I mean, there, there are months of things that are taking place here. There are weeks of things that take place here. There, 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 there are several years of things. It's, this is happening over seven years, yet John is seeing it and writing it in a book for us. I tell you, that's taxing. To be able to receive such a spiritual revelation of that is taxing on a human that's information about the kingdom of God. That's information about the kingdom of heaven. It's information about the kingdom of earth. It's about the information of how all of that is finally brought together in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, when he came, taught the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus came teaching that, I don't think anybody could have grasped what he's going to do because he's both God and man. He's going to bring together the rebellion that had taken place in heaven and the rebellion that had taken place in earth, judge both those rebellions, bring it back together in one big thing called the kingdom of God in which men and angels and God all dwell together. That's a big deal, guys. That's the biggest thing that could happen in all the universe for all of time. John got to see all that and record all that. That was taxing. You can just imagine how tired John must have been as he was going through all that, and yet the uh, refreshment that's coming from the Holy Spirit for having taken him through it. Second thing I want to just share with you, no information has been more testified to than this vision given to John. No other book has this much testimony given to it. More has been written about this book than any of the other books and trying to explain everything. Sometimes it's trying to explain away everything. Sometimes it's trying to say, I don't know why anybody bothers with this book because it's clearly all just symbols and stuff and it's just history. And This book is a significant book. And the very last parts of this book are wanting us to know how significant it is. It's so significant, he's going to tell us, this thing has come from God. This isn't just coming from John. John's not sitting down and writing the newest uh, f- fiction that he wants people to know about. John is writing down the things that God is showing him. J- he has been transported off the earth into heaven, and he's looking at all the things that are happening there. John is being shown something no one else has been si- seen. When John is receiving that, I want you to look back just for a moment at verse uh, 6 of this chapter here. It says, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. Now watch, it says, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servant the things which must shortly take place. 
So he, he's, he's seeing this. Some guy is bringing this. Some angel is bringing this to him, okay? And so he, he, you hear this, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, verse 8 says, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. John, John is so impressed with the messenger. The messenger has brought him all kinds of, this is stuff nobody else has seen. This is stuff that takes all the prophecies that had been back here prior to Jesus coming, and it's wrapping them all up in a single book written about here, about things that are going to happen here. He's showing us what's going to be the culmination of all those prophecies, and it's being seen there. No wonder John wanted to fall down and take this, man, you are great. Thank you so much for what you've done. No wonder he's falling down at his feet. But watch what happens. In verse 9, it says, Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and one of your brethren, the prophets, of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. You know, I also spend a lot of time, uh, uh, when, when you've got a lot of time, there's a f- four walls and there's a, I studied church history. Uh, it may not sound exciting to everybody, but it is to me. You see, there's a whole lot I don't know. There's a big African church. Uh, if you remember, Augustine is the bishop of Hippo. Hippo is in North Africa. Alexandria, the church that Mark started, was in Egypt. And there are churches that started all the way down the Nile from that church in Egypt that was going on while Paul is making his way to Europe. There's a church that started down in Ethiopia. And churches that we can see now went way beyond Ethiopia. And Ethiopia became a missions group to a whole lot of Africa. There was a lot of things happen in Africa that we don't bother with very much at all. One thing, it's written in the African languages, and we don't have good command of the African languages. We have Latin and we have Greek. So we spend our time on the things that are Latin and Greek. At the same time, Constantinople and east of there had a lot of things going on with it. There was a whole church and a whole group of people went on there. So I decided I'm going to study these two. I've seen what the Western church does, and it's not always impressive. I've seen now what's the African church doing. What was the Eastern church doing? I looked at those, and there are several things I came to a conclusion. Worship God. You say, what? Yeah, worship God. Uh, as I've read the church fathers, African fathers, Eastern fathers, Western fathers, I realized I'm here in the 20th century, or 21st century looking back and saying, how did they get that so messed up? How did they miss so many obvious things? And then I realized I wasn't living then. So I don't know all the situations they have. I've got a lot of heroes. I look at all kinds of people. I, love, I, I, I like to study the writings of different ones, and we, we have a lot of wonderful things that are there. But there's only one Jesus. There's only one Jesus. Be careful who you make your heroes. 
Be careful who you honor. Earthly teachers are just exactly that. John is a witness of what Jesus said. The angel was merely bringing to John what Jesus said. And when John, who's so thrilled with what the angel is showing him, starts to give honor to that angel, that angel says, get up. No, 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 no. This is not my message. I didn't create this thing. I'm only telling you what it said. As I've read Church Fathers and and the other writers of those centuries gone by, I've realized this has been a difficult thing, trying to get a hold of the truth, trying to figure out just exactly what is the right way. I cannot even imagine some of the ways of worship that we have adopted that you can't even imagine how did Jesus ever get, let that happen. There are funny things that go on. We, we do certain things here. We have sort of a, a, a liturgy, an order of worship, an order of service that we do here. Can I tell you, it, it tries to meet biblical criteria. But I have no idea if that's what Jesus would want. I, I don't know if he's an, anticipating we're going to have an offering each day. I know offerings were given. I, I don't know if the way we sing is the way he said to sing. I don't know any of those things, but I do know this. There is one Jesus, and he is the one we are to worship and to give honor to him and to be very careful about who else we give honor to. I have a deep appreciation for, uh, as Al does, A.W. Tozer. I have a great deep... But even Mr. Tozer, I had the, the blessing of uh, being in a church in which one of the members of that church, uh, of, of A.W. Tozer's church, was also a member of our church in Branson. Had wonderful conversations with the man. But he told me of the peculiarities of A.W. Tozer, too. Can I tell you, there's only one Jesus. <laughs> only one Jesus. And there are peculiarities to every guy you can think of that's a hero, every lady you can think of. Here's the deal. Be careful who you honor. Just honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Fair enough? Enough said. You got that one kind of for truth there. It's God's truth that cannot be known by any other means than revelation by God himself. Does that mean that people can't read and understand what it says? Not at all. Not at all. There are people who can read this and several who have. Some people who've read it even come up with the, the name for their band, 666. Stupid. What a dumb idea. I'm, I'm the beast. you got to be, if you even understood what you were reading, you'd never say such idiotic things. You, uh, listen, this book was written to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was written also that everybody else can hear what it has to say, but it's written to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God reveals things to his children that he does not reveal to those that are not his kids. And this book is written to those people, but it doesn't mean everybody else can't hear it. But let me share this with you, friend. If you're hearing this book and you're, you think you're grasping it, but you're not trusting what it says, then you're in trouble. You're in a world of hurt you can't even imagine. We'll get to that in just a minute. This book is understood by revelation, 
not simply by reasoning it out. And that revelation is given to his children. Number three, it has come through the faithful and true witness, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one who was dead in the riddle. Look at verse 12. <coughs> Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. As I've often set this platform up as a timeline, Here's a, the beginning of creation. Over here is the, the end of the world itself. This one is the one back here. He's before any of that. He's eternal. So the one who's giving you this witness and testimony is the one who made this it's the one who created this. It's the one who has been supplying this, all of this world, all of this time, all of these things. That's who's giving this witness. No one knows better what's going to happen than the one who created the whole thing, the one who planned it back here. In other words, kids, this is not almost as good as so-and-so's latest novel. This book's in a whole different category. This thing has nothing to compare to it. This book is so sacred, there isn't anything like it anywhere because of its author. It's coming from the one who is the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one for whom it has been made, the one who made it. Look back at chapter 1 of Revelation. Chapter 1 of Revelation. Look at verses 5 through 8. Well, let's start with four. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even they who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 7, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. John is told to write down these things because the faithful and true witness, the one who cannot lie, is the one who speaks it. So when you're looking at this book, kids, you're looking at absolute truth. Now, that doesn't mean your understanding is going to be absolute. It means that what is written is absolute. It's our understanding we always have to adjust to the Word of God itself. Letter number four, it has no comparison and is not given for our scrutiny. It is given for our edification, sober warnings as they are and things to come. It's not given for us to be able to look at it and say, we can editorialize this book as we see. It, it, these things don't, here don't make sense. So what John must have meant was, this stuff here doesn't make sense. Look, kids, uh, there are some who say this is all just symbols and so forth. There are a lot of symbols in there. And John's telling us there are a lot of symbols in there. It's literature. 
And it's prophetic literature, so it's got some things that are going to take some understanding. And there's some things, frankly, we're going to have to stop and say, don't know. Don't know. And until I find out, I don't have to make any statement. I can see this looks like what he says here. I don't know how that works exactly, but I know that the day will come when I will. I don't doubt its veracity because it's something I have a difficult time understanding. I don't look back at it and say, well, this book must have gone through several edits. No. I look at it and read it for what it is. It's God's Word. This is what He said. And because that's what He said, it's time for me to listen and pay attention to it. It's not given for my scrutiny. It's given for my edification. I'm supposed to learn from it. Number five. The message of this book encompasses all the books of the Bible. Now look, this book assumes the creation of God. It assumes Genesis. It tells us that God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Where would I find that? In the book of Genesis. It includes 12 tribes in it. There's a, the, the, the gates on the holy city are naming the 12 tribes. That acknowledges that the books of, of Genesis all the way through to the, the, the Gospels themselves were all written by this one. It takes all the prophecies and it starts saying, this is how those prophecies fit together. This is how the message of Daniel fits with the message of Ezekiel. This is how the message of Ezekiel fits with Isaiah and Jeremiah. This is how all of them come together in a great picture that's written in one book that encompasses everything that's back there. And get this, it's encompassing everything that goes this way until it comes to its uh, fulfillment. There is no book like that. There's never be a book like that. This is it. This is what the faithful and true witnesses told us about how I'm summing up the whole book of the Bible, and I'm telling you this is how it comes to an end. Number six, and I'll tell you in a few minutes why that's important. It's the final recorded word for the age. I know there are a lot of people who believe they're prophets today. Uh, One of the things I studied about church history, nearly Every time there was a movement in church history, it started from somebody who believed they understood when Jesus was coming back. I don't care how far back in history you go. You, you can go back uh, to 1300s. You can go back to the 800s. Matter of fact, there were some that were back in the 200s that believed they were now prophets that had a new message and they knew when Jesus was coming back. And because they knew when Jesus was coming back, the kingdom of God was at hand, and they were the only people who could possibly know it. Nearly every movement of reform in the church started there somewhere. And as you can well imagine, when it didn't happen when it was supposed to, they had to readjust I'd like to tell you that the guy in 1988 was the first guy that ever said 88 reasons why Jesus will come in 1988. He's not. There was a guy predicted it in, uh, what, 537, that Jesus was going to come back at Easter. And when Jesus didn't come back at Easter, he said, don't worry, I got a new prophecy. He's coming back at, um, I think, the Feast of Trumpets. Guess what? He didn't come back at the Feast of Trumpets. And that movement died out as well. 
Look, this book is the last word from God. I don't care how great you think you are, how, what a wonderful prophet you think you are, and the new prophecies that you think you've got that are so important. You may think you're impressing somebody. Zero, pal. You're impressing no one. That's the last word. That's what God has said, and there won't be another one. Don't mean to be mean with anybody. Yes, I do. No, I don't. All right. Letter C. The recorder warns those who hear it to be more than just cautious in the manner in which they deal with the words of this prophecy. This book is so sacred and different from all other books that powerful warnings are given to those who would handle it as if they had editorial authority and right. Look at verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. You hear that? Who's it to? Everyone who hears it. That doesn't mean that's just believers. That's everyone who hears it. If you're listening to our voice today and you're hearing this and, and you're, you don't happen to be a believer in Christ, this is talking about you. This is sharing with you. And it's one you know this. This book is not like the late great planet Earth. This is not like any of the other prophetic books you think you've read. Why? This one's 100% accurate. What he says is happening in here is going to happen just like he said. And when you start adding to it or taking away from it, you're making a major faux pas. Big mistake, guys. Big mistake. Listen to how he says it. He's got several powerful warnings here. Number one, let's start with this one. Let's go back to verses 12 and 13. Here's what he said. And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Stop. That's the first warning. That's the first warning. And here's what we mean by that. There are plenty who are like to say, okay, Jesus was dead, resurrected. We don't know what's happened to him since. He said he's coming back, but look at all these years here. He didn't come back. He didn't come back. He didn't come back. Didn't come back. Didn't come back. He hasn't come back. He's not coming back bad mistake. Because the long-suffering of God happens to want more people and more people into that kingdom, it's not a, a fault of God's for not bringing uh, the, the, to pass in the time you think it should be. He's saying this, I have my reward with me. I am coming. And when I'm coming, I have my reward. Now, let me just say this first of all. If you're a person that's wondering, I've been faithful to the Lord all these years, what do I get for it? I've been faithful to the Lord all these years, and I've had bad relationships, and uh, my family doesn't love me, doesn't care for me. Uh, can I just share this with you? He's coming again, and his reward is with him for your faithfulness. Don't quit now. He's coming, and when he comes, he's bringing his reward with him. That's positive. But there is another side to it. It's a big warning. It's letting you know you may think that because he delayed, he's not coming. Don't be fooled. He is coming. And when he comes, he brings his reward with him. 
everything that is, is going to be judged according to its own work. Friend, that's, a, that's an eye-opener. That's a wake-up call. He is coming again. That's the first warning he gives. The second warning. Look at verse 18. <clears throat> For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, if you think you've got a, 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 some new additional words from God and you want to add this to it, here's a good warning for you. God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Can I say to you, that's not the testimony of the Edgemont Bible Church. That's not a, a, a warning call from old Doug. This is God saying, this is what I'll do. That makes me quake in my boots. Because, you know, I'm looking at, I just preached through this book. Did I add something to it? I am not interested in having any of the plagues of this book added to me. I, I don't, th there's not any of these plagues that are nice. Not any of these plagues that come out with a good end at the end. I don't want that. You, you understand where I'm coming from? Okay, so maybe you don't add to it. Well, look at verse 19. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, well, he didn't mean that. I, you know, I don't think you can say, but come on, a woman with the 12 stars? What? you got to be kidding. There's no woman with 12 stars in her head and, you know, they got the sun, sun and the moon. And the, well, who'd ever say a great red dragon? Come on, that's all symbols. No, thank you, sir. That's what it says. And that's what it means. If I don't understand the symbol, okay, that's on me. Not to take away from the book because I don't have good understanding. Look what he says. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Whew. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that city. I, I'm, I want to be in that city. I, I'm, really, I'm looking forward to a new body. You know? I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what that tree of life looks like. I'm looking forward to seeing that river. I, I believe it's a real river. He calls it a real river. He, he says it's the water of life, and, and you can come and drink freely of it. And I want to see what the tree of life does. I want to see how does it do what it does. I want to see him. Look, if I can't be in the city and I can't come to the tree of life, that means I'm not there. And that means I can't see him. Kids, that's a warning. A big, serious warning. Don't take away anything that's in this book. If you don't understand, just say, I don't know. But don't say, I don't think it ought to be there. That's craziness. Let it be there. And you work at it till you finally understand it. You ask God to give you understanding in it, all right? Now, <clears throat> For taking away the things from it, we could lose our place in the book of life from the holy city and the things, the benefits that are written in this book. And number three in this outline, consider that the coming of the Lord is imminent and align yourself with its hope. It doesn't matter what is 
the circumstances surrounding us all around. It doesn't matter if it starts to look bleak and doesn't look like that Jesus is going to come back at all. That's the great time he would come back. You know, we're right now in the middle of the fall seasons of the feasts. As a matter of fact, Friday and Saturday were the Feast of Trumpets. And that's what many of, many of us say, Jesus is going to come in the Feast of Trumpets because it's about the last trumpet will sound and, and, and all of those things that go with the resurrection are coming. It doesn't look like it happened this weekend. But kids, that doesn't mean it won't happen. We're coming on that time where uh, he's going to dwell with his people again. We have to be a people who look forward to that. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think you're ever going to elect somebody that's going to turn America into the kingdom of God. It is going to happen. And if that's what you're hoping for, that's what you're looking forward to, can I ask you to do this? Come up out of your little world and start looking at the big one. Because we're looking at when Jesus is coming again, kids. And can I say this? That from the time that John wrote this book all the way up into this present time right now, the church has suffered. Believers have died. They have been martyred. All kinds of things have happened to believers who were hoping that Jesus would come in their time. And he didn't. And they died. And they are present with him this day. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And they're with him even now. Guys, don't let it take away your hope. Don't, don't think that you're going to make the kingdom of God here. It, it looks like in each of the situations in church history, that's what they thought they would do. They'd somehow bring the kingdom of God here on earth. As long as there are people who are sinful people, you're never going to have the kingdom of God on earth. That's why he had to make an all-new people. A whole new people that are not simply reformed people, not a whole new people who are trying to be better people, but a people who had to be born again. They had to die to what they were before and be born again by the Spirit in order that the Spirit of God would give them life and they could be that people that will be with the Lord Jesus Christ, a holy people not just a reformed people who feel better about themselves. You follow where I'm coming from? So rise up out of the small view you have, and as Colossians chapter 3 says, cast your eye in heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ is seated, in the heavenlies. Know that's what your life is really all about. Yes, you're a citizen here, and you should work for every just thing that you can, every merciful thing that you can, every humble thing that you can, everything that glorifies God that you can. Don't waste your life here. Work for it. But know that you'll never have the kingdom of God here until Christ himself comes. All right. This is the most serious enrollment we'll ever experience. To enroll in this one, to be a part of this, is to be separated from all those who will not be present there. They will have their part in the lake of fire. That's what Revelation 21 verse 8 says. I'll read that. 21 8 says this. But the cowardly, 
unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now look, verse 15 says, but uh, 22, 15, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Look, that's not the word of Doug White. That's not the word of, of the Edgemont Bible Church. That's not the word of, quote, Christians. That is the word of God. If as a Christian you're repeating that, that's not your word. You're a witness of his word. Do you understand where we're coming from? It, it, it becomes easy for people who, who want these things not to be true for us to just simply say, or for people to simply say, I don't like what you guys believe. That's not my problem. It's what God has said, and you can't take away from it. Do you understand that if you're taking away from what he said, you're only proving where you live. You're only indicating where you are. You're already a part that's outside, not inside. Kids, that's a scary place to be, is outside. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and those who love and practice a lie. That is what verse 15 said. Outsider dogs and sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie. If you've got a problem with me because I believe that's what this says, I understand where you're coming from. You're wrong, but I understand where you're coming from. I'm only saying... From the one who saved my life, the one who took me out of the depths of sin and brought me everlasting life, said this, the one who loved me from before the foundation of the world, the one who thought enough of what was going on in his world that he died for it, paid for it, raised again for it so that I could have eternal life with him, that's what he said, and I'm not going to deny him. It's to be those who have denied themselves, taken up their cross daily, and followed Jesus. It's those who no longer walk in the flesh but in the Spirit. It's those who've taken Christ as their own and abide in Him in spite of the criticism, disbelief, and persecution given to them by friends and enemies. Look, God is not simply bringing spirits to heaven, but creating a whole new people to occupy a whole new heaven and earth with Him forever in his, with His Son. As long as what you think that this salvation thing is, is believing in Jesus so you can go to heaven, you're missing out. You're missing out something very important. No, he saved you to make you a brand new person because he's enrolled you in this brand new kingdom. So he's changing you. You're involved in that change. You are involved in it day by day. Every problem you're coming across in your life is one more part of your whole sanctification. He's asking this question, can you give me thanks in the middle of this? Can you believe me in the middle of this one? As you're suffering this loss, can you say, that loss I can absorb, but I won't lose Jesus. That's the one who has me. That's what he's after, kids. 
It's a whole new people for a whole new world. He's not just looking to see if he can take little people to, to heaven. If he wanted to do that, best thing for him to do, save you, kill you. You know what I'm saying? Everybody be 11th hour conversion then. I saved you, took you home. Saved you, took you home. We'd look around and every time somebody dies, say, whoo, must have got saved. No, that's not what he did. He's going to take you through the trouble. Because the sufferings of this age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen? Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his death, his burial, his resurrection, for the life that he is, the life that he gives, for everything that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you for him today. Thank you for what you're going to do in us just now. We submit ourselves to you anew and afresh, looking for you to use us as that new people, to do in us what you desire to do, to make us a people that are witnesses and testimonies of the living God and his truth. Thank you for the book of Revelation, and thank you for all that we've been able to study and see through it. Teach us your good word. Open our hearts to understand it in Christ's name. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.